Hey guys, welcome to today's episode of Torquem Talk. Super excited to have on Apton Kofelt today. She is the CEO of Broken Top Candle Company. They have blown up and they just or, uh, landed all the Macy's across the US. Um, right here in Bend, they have lotions, candles. The interesting thing on this is how did she do it? And how is that going to help other companies that are starting up learn how to do it too? For example, Habit. So these two, we're gonna be talking about this startup of mine and how we've been getting it going and her advice that she's been giving me and how they cross and how it's really just getting stuff done and actually doing things that gets a business going. And we go back and forth talking about this step and that step and this is how you get into distri distribution. This is how you get in your first store. And these are the margins you have to think about. All those things you might be thinking about, like how do I get my, like, my side hustle really going? She answers in here, so enjoy, take notes. Afton, it's great to have you. Thank you so much for being on the show. And, um, you know, for those of you guys that don't know who are listening, uh, Afton, um, from the intro and everything, not only is she the um, owner of Broken Top Candle Company, but she also has been a bit of a mentor to me um, because we've been working together um, in marketing and whatnot for a bit. And um, you, you came to me through, didn't we connect on LinkedIn? Is that how? I think so. Yeah, I think yeah. so too. So I think on LinkedIn, and then we and I gave you a bunch of ideas and concepts. And you took that run of that. Now uh, that's going well on your Instagram. But what I've been really impressed with, and I came by and saw your um, your warehouses. One, the size of what's going on. It was bigger than I thought, and you're moving into an even bigger one. And there was product everywhere. Yes. Um, and the distribution network that you have, which is how deep. Oh, it's like a insane spider web. Um, it depends on what level you look at it. Like we primarily wholesale, which mm -hmm. is something that you know you and I have talked a lot about. Um, I would say ninety nine point eight percent of all of our sales are wholesale. Mm -hmm. Um, so with that encompasses ninety nine point eight. Oh yeah, okay. like almost a hundred percent of all of our revenue comes from wholesale distribution. Sure. But the distribution when you get into an industry like ours is I feel like it's a little more complex than like food, for example. The standard for food is you go to a food distributor and mm -hmm. they help you distribute your product. Same to a beer or beverage distributor. With we're we're considered like cosmetic or gift industry. And with that comes this huge spider web. So we sell anywhere from grocery stores to large chains like Macy's, Anthropology. Um, but then you have your mom and pops, your boutiques, your, which I guess in food, you know, that can trickle down to like your restaurants and things. Yeah. Um, so for us, how we're tackling our distribution is we currently have about 50 independent reps nationwide that work under rep groups um, within the gift industry. How many? Sorry. I have 50, wrong. about 50 independent under seven different rep groups. 50 independent reps under yes. seven different rep groups are out there slinging your product. Yes. So my first question then, and so this has been a great thing where you've been helping me and getting, you know, this guy habit uh, off the ground is, um, which we're waiting for our first thing of bottles and it's great, is um, how how do you get that network? How do you get this army of salespeople working for you? How'd you do it? Uh, first of all, it's relationships. You know, it's talking to people like you and I have done, just mm -hmm. kind of dive in and, it started here in Bend, just 
the willingness to ask, you know, Newport Market, we've talked about several times mm -hmm. as well. Thank is, you for connecting me. Yeah. <laughs> you connect me. And, and what she's, what, what Lauren said was, thank you so much for thinking about us, about your product. I was like, uh, yeah, <laughs> you, you, you're welcome. Um, uh, they're <laughs> awesome. in my head, I'm just like, are you kidding yeah, me? Yeah, no, I thank you for thinking of me. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. really, you're doing me a favor. Uh -huh. Yeah. And that's how I felt. You know, we, we got, we picked up Newport Market. That was our first wholesale account in, it was like May or June of 2016. Mm -hmm. So really that channel for tissue, us. Sorry. Somewhere. You think you could run and get one? My nose is driving me nuts. Sorry. We'll edit okay. that out or we'll leave it in. <laughs> so, okay. So really that's been, um, it's new for us. Like the wholesale channel is only a few years old. But starting with that relationship, you know, being able to go in and say, I'm local. I was seven months pregnant with my third. I wrote a four hundred dollar order. I don't know if you meant that as a business analogy. No, <laughs> no, really. I have three <laughs> like kids. My, yeah. Okay. Because um, I feel like I'm eight months pregnant right now with my business baby that's about to come out. What nobody tells you is you really go like full term, like twelve months with a product. <laughs> um, <laughs> Got it. It goes beyond that. Um but yeah, like Newport Market, building the relationship with them initially gave me the confidence to kind of say, okay, if if they're willing to take my product and they're selling my product, who else? Mm -hmm. It can't stop there. Um, so I really honed in locally on some of those. So options. how did so how did that go? So when you first. Um did you have anybody like I have with you and other people I'm leaning on when it came to this? Uh, that you were talking to and be like, can you hook me up with Newport or Newport came as there? a suggestion. Somebody okay. said, I, I can't, it's been, I, I've acquired so much in the last three years that I honestly could not tell you. I wish I could. Who told me to go to them? You know, the great thing is about that. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm going to assume that you acquired so much at no consultancy costs. No, yeah. not, not when it came to the sales to and marketing. You. Yeah. Yeah. People and was like, oh, I'll help you in this way. I'll help you in that. It's well, just kind of fun. I think that when you have the passion behind the brand, it's so much more than just being like, yeah, here's a coffee cup. You should buy my coffee cup because the margins are good and you can buy it. You know, that's mm -hmm. not what it was for me. I was hand making these products in my kitchen. So, the, and I was pregnant and mm -hmm. I had two other kids and it was, um, it, it was a hobby for sure. But when I started seeing like other people really want this product and I know it's a good product, it made it better. It made it easier to sell and easy to be passionate about. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't money driven, um, you know, which it's funny because even now it's that's not what it's about for me. Of What's course, it about? honestly, it's w one of the silliest things that kind of gets me is when I see people tag our product on Instagram. As you know, we don't do any direct-to-consumer marketing yet. No, you do not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we just started really doing solid Instagram uh, posting, mm -hmm. as you know. Mm -hmm. um, but when people come and they post organically, just positive. It's all positive. You're like, wow, people, aside from how I feel about the brand, people really like the brand. And whether it's for looks or scent or how it makes them feel, it, it's just that's kind of what drives me. Um, obviously as it grows, you, you need the financial side, you need the money to come in because, you know, we have employees that need paid and lights that need to stay on, but that is not my driving factor. Okay. So 
and I respect that. I like it. it used to be my driving factor with this business, Mazama. Uh, and then I realized um, how much more fulfilled I am if we build a positive culture and do the right mm-hmm. thing and be like and treat our clients like heroes and our That's team. That's where like you're heroes. inspiring to me, FYI. Oh like, well, thank yeah. you. I, like, and so then I'll, that all changed, um, and it's been. Uh, I, I I just feel so much better doing it. And now this is this kind of like I'm making it in my kitchen with my best friend, and we were just doing it for fun. And I was just like, this is really good stuff. We we need to make this a thing. And so with me though, when I <laughs> my my best friend and co-founder Drayson. Um, he's like very artistic. He came up with the great branding of it and he's, uh, he's, it's a real strong suit that we have. And I'm just like really business minded and I'm like, we are going. So (laughs) he, uh, we bounce each other out, which is kind of good, but it's been kind of funny. He's just like, gosh, when you say we're going, you mean you're going like, yeah, yeah, we're going to do this. Isn't it weird how nobody believes you? When you, when you say I'm going and you're like, no, for reals. And then before you know it, you turn around and you'll be in Costco one day. There's, I mean, we got I, those 6,000 bottles are on a boat. Okay. Anyway, enough. So that the reason of me wanting to push it is the, the, the fun, mm-hmm. the game that the like, oh my gosh, this is like so freaking fun building something from nothing. And the other thing that I like a lot about it is just how darn good it makes me feel. And I think it'll make other people feel from all the probiotics that are in it. And it's just, I'm also taking another side on it too, is I'm looking to get rid of all plastic that's on it too, which I'm excited about. Um, that's why I didn't think twice about doing like a plastic bottle. So uh, you're in Newport and you're pitching. And how did that go? Because I'm going to do that pretty soon. <laughs> and it's me first, I mean, I've pitched tons of B2B, but I've never been for a product. It's always been for service. So I th- I'm pretty sure you'll do fine because you're used to just, you know, conversation, but what about for somebody who isn't, who's thinking about getting their own candle company going to compete with you? Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're out there. Yeah. Um, I, so when I, when I showed up to Newport, you know, they took me upstairs to their offices and I'm in this room with the door shut with the window overlooking the entire store. And it was uh, Jody and um, I can't even remember who else was there. There was like was me and two or no, Lauren wasn't there. Okay. Uh, so there was me and a couple other people. And, and I was You're in scared. a dark room upstairs? It was so dark. No, really? I'm just kidding. It wasn't dark. <laughs> <laughs> it was just an office, you know, yeah. with a window that was overlooking uh, the store. Okay. And at that moment, I was like, wow, this isn't, this isn't me selling a candle to a friend anymore. <laughs> um, so I no. had this little box of every scent that I had, like a little two ounce tin. And um, they're picking up, they're smelling, they're, this is great. This smells awesome. You know, what's your price points? What are your case pack quantities? Do you have UPCs? And I'm sitting there like, Did oh, you have UPCs? Shit, no. So you no. taught me about that. I mean, I knew of it, but you last time or, or few months ago i like that was one of the first things when right. i was getting this thing on. i was like oh yeah app, app, so thank you yeah because i could have screwed that up a simple thing you just you don't, don't think, think about, about it. it you're like you're worried about what's inside mm-hmm. you're worried about the guts and even like for us the marketing the outside the packaging all of that's changed so much over the last three years and contributed a lot to our growth honestly and our traction in the last nine nine months if we wouldn't have changed our product our branding we wouldn't be where we're at today no. Um, and you and I have talked briefly on that, briefly on that, like um, doing your due diligence up front, coming up, making sure you know you're costing your competition. How do you want to pack them when you go wholesale? Do mm-hmm. you want to sell one 
or four or six and why? What does that look like when it comes to case packing um, and shipping? And, you know, there's so many variables, but packaging is probably the first and foremost. And then from there, you know, implementing your UPCs, doing things that don't limit you. Mm -hmm. Um, So, no, I did not have UPCs, but I went home and I got on, again, another mistake I told you about. I got on like legalbarcodes.com and I bought 150 UPCs for $50, which at the time I'm like, oh, $50, that's And just in case anybody who's listening to this that doesn't know a UPC is, that's the uh, little barcode scanner right there that the Mm -hmm. store will scan and it makes your product um, exist in the world, basically. Yeah. Well, there's different levels of UPCs, and this is what I didn't know three years ago. So you went to a legal UPC code. And by the way, Mitch, can you put Newport on there so people can see that the size of the, uh, like a picture of the outside building, the size of like where Afton got started? Okay. So legal barcode. It was like legalbarcodes.com. Are you they, saying to go there or not? No. To? Okay. Don't. I mean, it's, it's great if you have no intention of going mass market mm-hmm. or, uh, you know, larger chain type stores but in the beginning it was perfect it's exactly what i needed i needed a SKU that was legitimate or a barcode that was legitimate that the stores could scan and it would register in their system yes this is a nine ounce mount bachelor candle and it retails for 24 dollars um so i accomplished that that was great but then moving forward launching into macy's the first thing they asked is if we had gs1 certified barcodes And that is actually an official government site that you log on to, your company, you pay to gain a company prefix. So barcodes have 10 numbers. And the first, I can't remember what it is. I think it's six numbers Mm -hmm. is their prefix. Well, it's a company prefix. So my company now owns that prefix. And the last four numbers kind of just tell what that product is. And you register it on the site, um, and they're substantially more than fifty dollars for one hundred and fifty. Um, yeah, so little oh. things like you—you yeah. you don't realize. Oh, I'm just going to start selling a product. It's easy. No, it costs a lot more money than just what's in this candle. Oh yeah, there's a whole lot of startup costs. What are some other startup costs that uh, people and I should look out for? With Product, I would say definitely inventory, as I'm sure, you know, you're waiting on glass to get in. Yeah. That's you. You can't oversell what you can't produce. Right. Or maybe you do and you have such a high demand for your product that people will wait. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that it's important to be accessible. Um, well, I do, too. And that's why currently, I mean, uh, we have a bunch of demand and uh, I'm like, well, currently no product. But yes. Yeah. It's well, coming. <laughs> Depends on your distribution t- channel too. You know, if you're doing retail, it, it's totally different than if you're doing wholesale. Mm-hmm. You know, wholesale. If you decide to go big like we have, you have costs that are associated with your, you know, your customer acquisition that is way different than retail. So, what's the difference between a retail and wholesale distribution network? Retail, your product sells for full price um, through direct source. So either your website, people are coming to you Mm. in a retail location or your warehouse. Like coming directly to, so like if you had a booth at Newport or? Yeah. Oh, Fall Fest. Uh, We're doing Fall Fest this year. Um, That's all retail sales. That's direct to consumer. Okay. 
where wholesale is you are going to the places that sell direct to consumers. So the Newport markets to, you know, spas, Mm -hmm. um, Macy's, terrain, things like that. Got it. That's more of where we're selling. Okay. So now we have that established. So you're going far hard on the wholesale side. And I'm still, so we got Newport. They say yes. Mm-hmm. And $400 order. How many How many candles was that? Oh, I, I can't remember because our packaging was different. Our pricing structure was way lower than it is now. But Ballpark, let's say. 40 candles? Yeah, 40, 50 maybe. Did you have 60? 40 or 50 candles? No, I had to make them. Okay. Yeah. So then, <laughs> so then you go home and you go and you make them. Yep. Uh, how much of a time frame did you have to make them? Um, I think they wanted them in like two weeks. Was that easy? Yes. Yes. Uh, it, it was in the beginning um, costly. You know, you don't realize when you've been used to selling to friends and family a $10 candle. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, they want it for half of that. And you're like, well, $5? I'm not making any money at $5. This isn't yeah, working. Yeah, find out how to make it. Yeah. So yeah. again, you know, invest in, in doing your research and finding out your Costing. I, mm-hmm. I don't think a lot of people, especially consumers that have never been in the product industry, understand the margins. I had no idea until I was in Opportunity Knox. So I represented a bunch of businesses uh, in retail. But, okay, this is what we're selling it for. And I wouldn't know what the margins were. And then because of Opportunity Knox, which is a big like uh, mentor group, and I was with other businesses around my size in there and they you know we're in the service business of marketing but there was people that were doing kind of stuff like you are like all over the place Mm -hmm. and they would go in these headaches and i was like wait how many like some of them giving up 60 points to some of these wholesalers and Mm -hmm. 60 points basically means percentages so um you know ten dollars but you now you need to give them 60 percent in some cases and still make a profit and i was just like Holy crap. So I'm happy I knew that because when I got into making this, I'm like, okay, yeah. <laughs> I know that I need to, it needs to be cheaper. It needs to be more, less expensive. We need to find a better source of these peppers and that and still have really quality organic ingredients, which we do. But it's just like, I, I can't just be like, oh, it's fine. We're making enough profit. Like, no, and we're not. I think that's fine if your intent is to stay, you know, like a little Etsy or eBay or, you know, a smaller company Mm -hmm. um, or local. That might be fine where your margins are only, you know, 40 percent. Yeah, I'm just going to, you know, sell it out of the back of Mazama. Yeah. (laughs) Why not? It'll pay the rent. (laughs) That's actually actually, the first thing that we're going to do with the demand is when we get the side up and we get them, I'm going to do a bend only, like come and pick up from the people that want. Mm -hmm. And then I have the people that have already decided to sell like uh, Zydeco and Bistro 28, the loft, um, uh, Newport, we still didn't meet, but it sounds like they're going to be in. But I, I want to make sure I have all the bottles and all that stuff before I'm going and showing them. Right. You know, I'm not going to go and be like, oh, yeah, it might come. Yes. So, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, I know it's, I, I just got the pictures of all them too. It's really exciting. Like it's happening, but they're still, I'm, I'm waiting until oh, I forever. have them. Yeah. They need to be in my garage. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> All six. Yeah. Well, and then six. there's other headaches that are associated with that. You're used to producing X amount at one time. You get an order and you need to say, okay, to make this efficient, instead of doing this small of a batch, we need to increase that. How do we do that? There's mm-hmm. costs associated with that. What did you production. see what would happen when you uh, increase the uh, size of quantity to your products? Because that's one thing that I'm wondering about right now is like, mm-hmm. you know, we're making them in these gallon mason jars. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what's going to happen when I put them into the seven gallon one that we're going to do? We're going to have these two seven gallon 
buckets. I know it's food and retail, but did you see anything in like wax when you're starting to make it at larger quantities where it wasn't the same consistency? So, um, you know, you just got to know your formulas and ratios, which we do. We have a formula and um, a lot of it changes time and format, if you will. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, let's say that you end up putting it in a five gallon bucket and you're making it in that. Now you've made it in that it gets harder to pour that into a small bottle. So now you're restricted. You can't just say, well, we're going to use a funnel to pour it from the mason jar into this bottle. Well, that's not going to work with a five-gallon bucket. Now you're touching it twice. So mm -hmm. your production costs and labor starts to go up a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, so those are things you have to factor in. And like, for example, when, <laughs> when I started, I was doing what's called the double boiler method, where you take a pot, you put your wax in it, then you take a pot of water on the stove, and you heat the wax. Okay. From there, the wax melts, you add your scent, you pour your candles, right? Well, it was taking that pitcher a half an hour to heat a four-pound batch of wax, which makes probably, I, I couldn't even tell you anymore, like eight of these, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> um, Energy costs, gas costs. Not just that, but efficiency, my mm -hmm. time. Like, I need to be able to make more. If I'm only pouring, you know, 20 candles an hour, that's not efficient. So what did you do to... To fix that. The first thing we did was we went and bought a, um, a f like big stock pot and I took it down to a welding company here in town and we had them make a pour spout on it. Mm. So then I went from using my kitchen stove to an outside like campfire stove, like a burner. Mm -hmm. Um, it increased it. Tenfold. You know, I was able, I went from making 20 candles yeah, an hour. Did you that or you found it online? Or? I just did research. Yeah. I found it online. I knew I couldn't afford a melting pot, which yeah. was $1,000. Mm -hmm. I knew I couldn't afford that because at this point it was still a hobby. I wasn't super, I was invested, but it would have been easy to walk away. Um, and I, I just didn't have the capital. So... Yes, we did some research, and for like 150 bucks, I... Capital means cash, by the way. Yes. A lot of people don't know that. That's very true. Yeah. Very true. Mm -hmm. You learn to know that when you own a business. You do. That's like but the you, first you, word. You start, yeah. to, you start to say things like that, uh, ROI, uh, yes. return on investment. There's actually a lot of times when I've used ROI talking to business owners, and I go, what do you mean by that? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you, just, you just have Working to remember. Working on your business. That's where you start learning mm -hmm. those things. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, uh, so, okay, so you um, are figuring out how to mass produce it, and how did you then get into your first distribution network? So, last, I'd say it was about last January, not 2019, but 2018, I had kind of caught wind of uh, the term manufacturer reps. Mm -hmm. And in our industry, the gift industry, that's similar to saying a beer distributor. Okay. If a brewery comes out with a batch of beer and they're, they're wanting to start getting their product out there, they go to a distributor. Mm -hmm. Same concept for us, but they refer to them as a manufacturer's rep. Okay. So these rep groups are usually regionally based. Mm -hmm. So I started with Seattle. Being close to home, Seattle kind of encompasses. There wasn't a Portland one? No. Okay. No. So the closest regional gift market to Bend is Seattle. Got it. Um, After that is Bay Area, I'm guessing. There used to be one in San Francisco. Now the closest one is Vegas. Oh. Is one of the four large ones in the U.S. Okay. 
Atlanta, Dallas is becoming a regional um, and then New York now. So how'd you get in with the Seattle one? Just go and knock on their door? I called, I called the market. Cool. And by then I had come up. No, not true. I called the market and I said, this is what I'm trying to do. Who's the market? Is that the name of the manufacturer? It's called Seattle Mart. Okay. Yeah. So Seattle Mart. Okay. So let me back up a second. So these manufacturer reps in these markets, Seattle Mart being the closest one to Bend, mm -hmm. you go in and think of it like a shopping mall. You're walking through and instead of Victoria's Secret, it's company XYZ. Instead of Gap, it's company B. And these companies are these manufacturer rep groups. So it's like a mall and you walk into these showrooms and in these showrooms are individual product lines like mine. So the principal rep is the store owner. Got it. And the independent reps are the employees. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Okay. So for for us, when when I found out about this this opportunity to get into this market, to have mm -hmm. these reps, not only that during the shows, they have customers that come in and purchase the product at wholesale, but those five or six employees or independent reps that work for that rep group, then spend their time year round on the road promoting your product, going to the Newport markets, going to, you know, the gaps and stuff like that and mm -hmm. saying, hey, we represent this really awesome candle line. We think it would be a great fit. You should buy in. So the orders go through the reps, come to us, and we pay the reps a commission. And every industry, the commission is, you know, I think 15%. 15% is our industry standard. I don't know about like food distributors or That's what I've been hearing is it's 15% 15. of the food distribution. And I think there's room for so negotiation. Then what do you, yeah. So then like yeah. if uh, Newport asks for 50% and then you get 15%, it's like, so I'm supposed to work with yes. 35%. Yeah. So mm -hmm. the costs, the, the, the acquisition is actually higher than that wholesale to retail model. Mm -hmm. So that's something else you have to factor in depending on how you want to distribute. Um, so I actually called Seattle Mart and we were super tiny and same thing with Newport. I didn't know what I was looking for. And I got a hold of one of the acting directors and she was very cool about assisting, just making connections. And I told her what I was doing and I told her what I was trying to do. And she educated me as to, you know, what I just explained, like how this is how this works. This is what has to happen. She said, you know what, do you have a catalog? And if you do, I would be happy to email it out to all of the stores, if you will, these, mm -hmm. these rep groups in the market and see if any of them are interested in picking up your line. I was like, well, I don't have a catalog. <laughs> so again, another hurdle. And I went back to the drawing board and Did I you make a catalog. I came up with our first catalog. <laughs> there you go. Um, and now it'd be funny to pull that back up because I can't even remember what it looked like. Probably looks great. Oh, amazing. <laughs> Obviously. Yeah. Um, so when I had that and I had it in a PDF format, I reached back out to her and I sent it in an email. And mind you, four years ago when I started this, I didn't email. Like mm -hmm. I got junk email, but I didn't email. So that's become you, something. What, did you fax the catalog to her? Oh, no. <laughs> you mailed it <laughs> no, to her? No, that was like four years ago was the start of me like really like, oh, email, that's a thing. People use that. Um, well, at least you know. Yeah, yeah. now I know. Now yeah. I like live by it. Um, yeah, so I sent her the catalog and she sent it out. And that was kind of the initial touching point. And mm -hmm. then from there... I did my own research and I pulled up the different rep groups that were in the market 
And I just started emailing. Like, here, here's who we are. Here's our story. Here's our catalog. We'd love to send you a sample. Um, and I just learned through that process. And eventually we landed our first rep group up there. And they got some traction, especially in Oregon for us. Mm-hmm. Um, we picked up, I can't even tell you, probably, you know, 30 accounts in the first year, which was a lot. That is. Um, for us. Mm-hmm. And this was starting in 2018, the end of 2018. So going from, like, as of December 2018, we had about 100 wholesale accounts. Mm-hmm. And I think we had picked up one or two other um rep groups in the nation, same model, just me cold calling, essentially cold emailing. Um, year to date now, we've gone from the hundred that we closed out at December of last year. Mm-hmm. In the ni- last nine months, we've picked up over 500 new retail doors. Wow. Yeah. Congratulations. So how do you manage all these reps? Carefully, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, another growing pain is you start realizing when you need to bring in key roles. And for a while, I was kind of the key role behind sales and marketing. Um, and that encompassed me dealing primarily with the 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 principal reps, so the store owners, if mm-hmm. you will, uh, where then it kind of trickles down and they deal with the employees. Similar to any company structure where, you know, the owner CEO meets with management and then the management meets with the employees. You can't micromanage. Yeah. There's no way. So we're getting to the point now where, again, nationwide, we have about 50 of these employees and about seven or eight of these principals, these store owners. On top of that, I'm dealing with, you know, our key accounts, which a key account to us is any store that has over five locations. Okay. Um, so in Oregon, Made in Oregon is that store for us. They have five or six locations. They do a substantial amount of revenue with us every month. Mm-hmm. That's a key account. That acquires special attention, um, a little more paperwork, a little more due diligence, and then trickling clear up to, you know, last time we talked, we were talking about Macy's and how we we're launching. We actually just got our PO two days ago. So it's finally happening, but yeah. that's taken me six months to put together. Yeah, those take a while. Actually, yeah. that's quick for Macy's to get it in six months. I've heard stories of it could be as much as a year. I think it depends on your buyer. Mm -hmm. It's very segregated when you start getting um, kind of mass market like that. So you think about Macy's and it's not just there's one buyer. And so they do they all pay net 30 to you? I don't know if Macy's is 30 or 60. Ooh, really? I think they're Macy's is 30. So by net 30 or 60, what? Um, we mean is they will pay you send the product and then they pay you 30 or 60 days later from the day you ship the product is typically when that starts. Yeah. So it's not when Which you get I the think PO. Is a load of BS <laughs> personally. It is. It is. And um, that's, that's where your specialty stores come in to play. Like for us having all those specialty stores, that's our cash flow. Mm-hmm. So while we're waiting, we're out there picking up, you know, uh, seaside store in Maine for $500, well, that doesn't pay until it ships or ship until it pays. Mm -hmm. So you get this order in and you know that you can fill it in two days. Cool. Call them up. Let's get payment. There's $500. You send it out. So really the risk as far as your specialties are actually a lot lower, especially when you have it on a cash basis. Mm Mm-hmm. But uh, so that's on the specialty side. And have you had yet where one of these bigger 
players have not paid or they paid later than what they were going to say? Um, yeah, we, we had one account that was actually a private label mm-hmm. that put us in a situation like that. And luckily it wasn't too much. Um, but that is a risk with key accounts. And that's something that the key accounts are really something that we are just getting this year. We've had made in Oregon for, oh my gosh, I think we picked them up in late 2016. Mm-hmm. So we've had made in Oregon for a long time. How many locations do they have? I want to say like six. Okay. Um, and they're, they're a funny story. They carried our original line, which again, looked nothing that we call this our botanical collection. Mm-hmm. And our original line was very colorful and we had tins and we had the amber glass, but the labels were all color coded mm-hmm. based on the scent. Lavender was purple. Citrus was orange and they did pretty well with it. And, they knew we were switching formats and kind of doing away. We still sell the other line, but we don't promote it. Mm-hmm. So when I talked to the buyer and said, hey, we're making all these decisions and these these choices to kind of eliminate that and move into this packaging, the pricing is going to go up a little bit, even our lotions, like this is all brand new. Uh, we would love for you guys to pick it up. And she was concerned because the price points were high, higher than most of the products that they sell in their stores. Well, I finally got her to commit about four months ago and now they are having record sales and reordering. I mean, to the point where I'm like, I can't fill this for a month because I'm that busy. And it's, she's like, I should have listened to you sooner, you know? And I'm like, I, I, anywhere we put the product it's doing well. Um, so it's been, and that all came down to the brand, like the, yeah, the packaging for sure. Uh, let's start a, a couple of things on that first. Um, for somebody's like, well, how do I get this going? How do I get packaging like that? Just straight up packaging, not just like the brand, which mm-hmm. is clean and simple and my theory as to why it's doing well. Um, but how do you get these glass bottles? And then the labels that go with them. How does somebody that has something as a side hustle get this stuff? Well, there's a couple different ways. You and I have gone about it. I know, we, should, we need to share it with people yeah. though because they have really have no idea. Um, So for us, because I think your format is different than mine in the sense that you have one product, right? Are you doing different sizes? We have a blueberry. (gasps) Yay. Is it the same? It's the same size. It's going to be. So it'll say blueberry. Yeah. Blueberry. And it's going to be, obviously it will be purple. Uh, Well, not obviously. It will be a purple (laughs) uh, color. And the um, uh, letters are going to be this very light blue. Oh, cool. It's really cool on the uh, purple. Um, but yeah, so they're, they'll both be four ounce bottles and um, getting 2,000 blueberry, 4,000 uh, of the flagship. Awesome. Who knows? Maybe the blueberry becomes a flagship, right? Nobody knows. These <laughs> you things. don't really you know can't until predict it what people are going to like. Yeah. And then you're like, why do they like that? Yeah, <laughs> I, but I don't care if that's, you got to give people what they want. That's There's what they sense want. that we have in our line that I'm like, if I have to smell that one more time during production that I just despise and it sells, you know, mm-hmm. and it's not always about what you want. You know, no. you got to listen to the customer. Um, yeah. So for us, it's a little different because, you know, I know you chose to do kind of bulk like that, but we have a hundred SKUs wrapped between. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, six we different, have two different things going here, but just yeah. how do you get like, okay, so if you have all these SKUs, just how did you do it? Who did you talk to? How do you get that process going? That's what people don't really. I think most know. people start start small. You st- you start small, well, and obviously who do you start, start small with who? Who do you call? 
with Ghostbusters? just Google. Google? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> hey, Siri. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's all I did. I started Googling. And for me, the process, because my original brand was based around the candles, mm -hmm. everything I was looking at and researching was candle distributors, you mm -hmm. know? So it was like looking at glass that they offered inexpensively. Well, if I'm buying my wax from them, they offer the glass. I'm going to save on shipping by having it all come in. That's where I started. Um, also, you know, it again, it was different for me because I had different sizes in different vessels, mm -hmm. even from the beginning. Right. So it wasn't this standard, like, I'm going to use the same bottle, same lid, maybe a different print. That's still cheaper than having three different vessels. So I started very, very small quantities. And again, your margins do not match where they need to be when you're older, when you're a more mature brand and you're mm -hmm. selling bulk. Um, but I think just Googling, you know, finding good resources within the product industry that you're in, you know, for you, you needed to probably make sure that it was food safe, which glass is easy to do. Mm -hmm. But I know like some cosmetic brands have issues with stability in plastic. They have to pour the product, let it sit, see what it does with plastic, things like that. So, um, do the research in the industry that you're in first. See what resources are available in small quantities short term so you can experiment and and market and things like that. But also do your research long term to say, okay, if I'm going to buy this from 100candles.com, this vessel, make sure that it's easy to get when you need a thousand or 10,000 mm -hmm. or you get a twenty, thirty thousand dollar order. You know, those are things we didn't think about short term. So how long does it take you to get them from when you order them? The first well, time? again, when we went through our rebranding, that was a good opportunity for us to evaluate that. Mm -hmm. For me, I knew that I didn't want to deal with anything overseas. That just to me was scary and foreign. And I did not have enough confidence or help to execute that. Sure. Um, so I wanted to keep it local and then I just started as we ramped up and we needed more product looking for local glass distributors, projecting how much we were going to go through, calling them saying, you know, this is our anticipated growth. We want a partner. We want, you know, somebody that can work with us short term to say, yeah, it might be a little bit more expensive, but when you get up to these levels, this is how much you're going to be spending compared to this. And like with our glass distributor, that's what we did. We found somebody, our product comes out of Utah. It's two, three day freight. The freight's really inexpensive. And I don't have to order 20, 30, 40,000 pieces in from China, nor do I have the space in my warehouse to do that. Yeah. Um, well, I have the opposite problem. So I I've, uh, have it very, very affordable because uh, the main thing is like, as we were going back and forth on like how much this costs and the, the cuts that, um, uh, the stores and distributors are going to want. I was factoring that in and the best I could do for the screen print on the bottle in the U S with the cap and the plastic thing and the shrink wrap was like 88 cents. Mm -hmm. And that is, that's, it doesn't seem like a lot, but it is when uh, in China, I was able to get all of that done for um, uh, 31 cents and the next order. No, yeah, 31 cents and the next order is going to be bigger will be 27 cents. 
So now like that's a margin that I can actually get get some profit out of mm -hmm. where before I was actually losing money because the ingredients are expensive and there's no vinegar in this. So this is expensive hot sauce. It's $9.99. Yeah. Uh, and it's because there's no vinegar, which is a filler. I, I mean, it's good. It's needed for hot sauce. I mean, I'm not saying I was a dig to other hot sauce companies like you need that. But ours is a fermented probiotic. It checks all those boxes. So great. I found a really cheap way. Con, I need to wait. I need to know. 35 days in advance mm -hmm. that I'm going to need what I'm going to need. And what terrified me about that option that's is best. the variables. That's if everything goes according to plan. Yes. So I actually, now I think about it, it's more like 50 days. I need at least a 15 day window of things are not being communicated. And that then well. you almost have to get your order, evaluate it for a, two weeks and mm -hmm. say, okay, this is how much we need to order next time. And if you don't order enough, you're screwed. Yeah. But I think having options as well, even if you do find a local source that even if it's 88 cents, there's sometimes when you just need the product. You just have the backup. Yeah, so That's have the backup. Idea. I should have a backup, yeah. like local one. If you got a call from Costco and they said, we want to put you in stores, I mean, obviously it's not there yet. I would do it for the marketing cost. Yes, exactly. That, it just, yeah. It's, and, and that's what a lot of like our key accounts, not all of them, some of them are definitely more profitable than others. Mm -hmm. But Macy's at this point, I am paying them to take our product. Well, it's your marketing. Yeah. Well, there's two things on that, right? So one, it's the marketing of being able to see it scale. But two is that's your portfolio now. Yeah. Just being able to say, oh, we're in Macy's. Mm -hmm. and now Which is opening up Bloomingdale's. They course. work on the same platform. So I can't say that it wasn't worth it. But at the same time, um, you you have to be ready. It even opens up like if you want to be in Target or not, it does open up because it's just a big store. It opens oh, up yeah. the idea of being in Kohl's. I mean, it opens up so many other things that you could be in just because you were with one of these heavy hit hitters. So I totally see like paying them to take yeah. your product. Yeah. And the scary part is, is it's not even putting the product in there that's scary. Like, let's say that they came and said, this did so well. We want 20,000 units of each SKU that we picked up. Mm -hmm. Um, That's not even the scary part. The scary part is every time you launch a new one, it's like, what is the back end stuff that goes into that? That's the stuff that nobody thinks about. Like, oh, you got into Macy's. Yeah, I did. It's taken me six <laughs> months, but six months isn't what you think of. It's like really eternity. Yeah. Because you are paying an employee to to work their back end portals. Did and you uh, did you fly out and meet with anybody for Macy's or did the reps handle that all for you? No, uh, we met. So New York Now is a show that happens every January and February and August. It is our only show that is temporary space. So us as a company actually flies out, puts up a booth, stay, I stay there and mm -hmm. represent the brand and sell. And New York brings the best of the best. Sure. So, you know, we've met, we met Macy's back in February and started the process in March with them. Mm -hmm. um, again, just got our PO literally two days ago. <laughs> Um, thanks. <laughs> it wasn't huge. Two days ago. Two days ago. Wow. Yeah. So it's, again, it's been what, six, six months. Yeah. Um, we met a, a sister store of anthropology back in February called Terrain. Okay. They have four or five locations and then heavy e-com presence. How many shows do you go to? Me personally? Mm -hmm. Well, I guess <laughs> the, the business. Yeah. I think we're at about eight now. And four of those are considered like national markets and the others are regional. How, um, how valuable do you think they are? It depends on the show. I think that 
The industry's changing a lot, a lot, a lot. And there are really big key components coming into play with that. More wholesale platforms where companies like mine can go and list their product. Mm -hmm. They take a commission, but we're not sending out rep kits. We're mm -hmm. not sending out catalogs. People are just logging on, seeing it, and buying it. Really? Oh, yeah. They don't even want to smell it? No. What? Yeah. I know. My dad gets That's the like, same look on his face. <laughs> I mean, I get whatever. But uh, also, but, you pull up our website and on our stockist list, it shows the coverage that we've gained. And I think that, you know, people do the stockage list. Yeah. So if you go to the top and then go more or hover over more and go down to stockist. I haven't heard that term before. Yeah, it's a fee. It's in the in the retail, like gift retail Look at that. world. So Look at that. before I, I knew that as US because you're in so many places before the US map loaded. That's only um that's outdated by about two months. Oh wow, BS. So we've so picked guys... up probably a hundred new accounts since then. Oh. Uh we're only missing Mississippi right now as far as coverage with wholesale accounts. As far as states go? Yes. We've picked up every other account. So we're in Nebraska, we're in Iowa, Missouri. Well, yeah. Alaska. Yes, we sell in Alaska. Oh. We might have to zoom out for that. And Hawaii. What about international? We have shipped to, there's a company, again, because of the trade shows, we connected with this company called TJX. TJX owns Home Goods, Marshalls, and Ross. So they're, they're big buyers. They come in, they want 1200 yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't it? Like, like, hey, this thing that I made when I was pregnant it's still over my kitchen sink. It's real, though. Like, yeah. they're dots, and they're just dots. I think the cool thing is knowing that anybody can do this if they just really try, if they have the determination. Like, oh, you yeah. didn't, you, how much capital did you have going into this? If you don't mind me asking. You don't have to it, it wasn't like, oh, I have this much to put into it. It started soft, and then I'd tell my husband, like, I need this much. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I want to do this show. I need this much money. Um, and I think all in all, I've put about 40,000 into it. Um, now, of course, you know, we've, we've done a couple of small business loans and things like that. Uh, but really we're considered a bootstrap company. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. So, um, you go to eight shows. Uh, how do you, what do you think it takes to be? Because I, I haven't done a show yet. Well, I've done a show for uh, Mazama, mm -hmm. um, but I haven't done one of these product shows. What do you think it takes to be successful, to have a successful um, show, whether it's in food or retail? I mean, how do you do a successful booth? What do you think is the most important thing to have a successful booth? I think reoccurrence. Honestly. What do you mean by that? I oh, think just showing that, up every year? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, your first year is probably going to suck or it's going to be great. Yeah. You know, like there's the possibility that for some reason people just notice you and you are the main attraction. Um, that's less likely than you showing up, having a good show and then showing up again and having an even better show. Mm -hmm. What, what are you probably know the statistic more than I do. Like it takes, I think on average seven times for a buyer to see your brand before uh, they commit. Yeah, it varies, but it's been the marketers seem to agree on eight. Yeah. It's somewhere between six and 10. And it's no different for wholesale buyers mm -hmm. out of, let's say the 500 candle companies in the U S they go to New York now and there's 
50 of them there. What makes mine so much more substantial than the company next to me? You know, mm-hmm. there's there's well-known brands, there's startup brands, there's smaller brands. And again, like right now we're contributing a lot of that growth to this the steady marketing that we've done as far as showing up to the trade shows, the brand recognition, and now having these reps, some of them that have been in the industry for 20 years with the same accounts going and saying, this is a hot new brand. You need this in your store. They trust them. You mm-hmm. know, it's all built on relationships. Everything's a relationship. Absolutely. Yeah. So you have people, you have like your army going in and talking to other people being like, you need to have this product. It's that good. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so then uh, talking about branding, I'd love to jump into the rebrand. Is yes. there anywhere we can find the old brand and put it up there? Oh, so go to the top. And then hover over shop and go all the way down to everyday collection. This has even been revamped quite a bit since our original launch, but this is essentially what we launched with. What year was this when you launched this? Uh, 2016 is really when this came to fruition. The brand that ended up in Newport Market. Is there a fresh squeeze? There's a Mount Bachelor one, isn't there? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right here. So if you go back to that Mount Bachelor, Mitch. Yeah, I can. So let's see. Let's hear some numbers. So, um, what was that selling like? At is there a consistent one? Maybe Newport, like Newport sales of that compared to this. I mean, I know sales went up. It's yeah, yeah. It's so hard. Um, I mean, definitely you can say two to one okay. for sure. So two to one, the same. Okay, so that's interesting. If not it's the more. Same, it's the same stuff, though. It's same just, guts. It just has a new shirt. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> same person, different style. Yeah, right? Um, Isn't that crazy? That'd be two to one? Well, you think about it. Like, when I'm not there, I do. Oh, I, I get it. I'm I the head still, of sales. Well, actually, like, I don't get it. I can come to you and tell <laughs> you a million reasons why you should buy this and probably sell it. But... Thanks, Benjamin. It's just like, you spun around <laughs> looking at the TV... But um, damn it. <laughs> when this is just sitting on a shelf by itself, right? Mm-hmm. What's going to make you want to buy it? By itself? Yeah. If I'm not there to tell you why you should buy this, why are you going to buy it? Um, me First, what's going to make you pick it up? I'm the look. A, yeah, exactly. I'm picking it up because of the look and because, the, well, for me, it's the simplicity of it, the cleanness of it. Oh my God, that looks clean, different. What is why that? Pick, why do you pick that up, Mitch? Because, well, first off, it would relate to me saying Mount Bachelor. <laughs> off, uh, yeah, but if you're in Chicago and you've never been to Mount Bachelor. You know, it's funny, as you move east, people just think it's a funny name. Like, ooh, Mount Bachelor, like sexy. <laughs> Who's this Mount Bachelor, you know? So That's it's, great. it's kind of, yeah, we've that. we've rode the wave with that one. Um Considering it's a regional name. Yeah. Uh, I just like the cleanliness of it. I mean, it's just interesting because usually you see candles like the Yankee candles with like a classic silver top on it or something, right? But they're colored, right? Yeah, exactly. Same concept as this. So what we were seeing with that compared to this is... There's elements that are taken out of on this product. Mm -hmm. The color. People would pick up the mint mojito and say, wow, this smells really good, but I don't want a lime green candle sitting on my desk. 
It doesn't match my everything purple motif. You matched everything. It's simple. You're smart. It's simple. It's classy. Okay, so how did it happen? How many, how many millions of dollars did you pay for that rebrand? I didn't. Uh, it was a bottle of wine and my computer over the weekend. Oh my god! Um, so I actually. Are you graphic? Can you? Oh are you god, good at no. Photoshop? No. Really? I use this what's called great. Canva. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> and I love it. We have a very very personal relationship. Um, so I guess how things formulate for us is wait, that. Wait, wait, wait. Tell, tell the people about Canva. Canva is amazing. Mm -hmm. If you do not know anything about graphic design, mm -hmm. um, I tried to buy Illustrator, which is very expensive. Yeah, and, and then within you have to learn it. Five minutes, I was like, this is a waste of my time. I'm <laughs> never going to be the skill or have the time to do this. Have you used Canva, Done. Mitch? I've heard of it. I haven't used it. Yeah, yeah Mitch so, is a Photoshop guy, but. Anyway. Yeah, if you know how to use Photoshop, like go but there. But if you don't, and if you're an entrepreneur and trying to get stuff done and you're bootstrapped, Canva's go free. Go to Canva. So, yeah, yeah so, so they have a free Australian platform. Company. It's not little anymore. No, they're not. Mm -hmm. But I pay the pro, which is like $14.99 a month, and you have access to graphics and mm -hmm. templates and things like that. So um, how the process started for us was I came up with the general concept, and I sent it over to our local printer, um, who is Premier Printing. They're amazing. They're awesome. Uh, they have a great graphics team. So I came up with the basic layout, content, you know, design, and then I sent it to them. And I said, okay, this is the direction we want to move in. And this brand started as just five, six, 10 candles, five cents. So two different sizes as a holiday line mm -hmm. that I launched last fall. And it was supposed to be limited edition, five cents, two different sizes, bring it in for the holidays. It had this kind of like rustic feel. Um, and it was so well received that I was like, okay, we obviously need to redo our packaging. And what's funny is I spent a month and a half coming up with other ideas, taking this concept and trying to evolve it and make it better, make it retro, make it. Before you came up with this or after? after so this was live so we you're were already won, but we you were in going. yeah we yeah. were in september and this was going and we were starting to see the candle sales grow on the, the we called it our botanical line mm -hmm. and i was like well this is doing so well i can make this do really well so i spent time and time and time coming up with designs premier printing was helping me come up with designs ways to revamp this tone down the color add more color add two colors and finally, I just had an epiphany. I was like, why am I trying to reinvent the wheel? We already did it. Mm -hmm. We Like, this is selling. Why am I doing this? So we decided to push some of our top selling scents in the everyday line into the botanical collection. And when we did that, we said, you know what? Why just be a candle company? Look at all these other companies around us that are doing well. They have more than one product. What goes well with candles? Well, let's make it bath, body, and mm -hmm. candles. Mm -hmm. So we launched everything except for the roll-on perfume in this botanical line January 1st. That got some serious attention. And we were picking up accounts that not only wanted candles. So, I mean, some stores don't sell candles, but they wanted the soap. They wanted the linen sprays. They wanted the lotions. Mm -hmm. um, in May, we launched the roll-on perfumes, which you're holding. And Within two months, it was eight. They were eight percent of our total revenue. What? Yeah. So it just exploded. Um, and we have new product that we're launching this January. Um, which again, trade I think shows. That's pretty cool. I like. Uh, 
I haven't even heard of roll on perfume, but obviously I'm not your market for that. But <laughs> travel size cool. perfumes under an ounce are up 28% in the last 24 months. Wow. Yes. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Because, you know, it's not safe if you brought more onto a plane. Yeah, those God are forbid. travel friendly. We sell the crap out of them in the airport. bomb on planes. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> so ridiculous. Could have sent you to death. Freaking, yeah. <laughs> Freaking fear mongering. Okay. So, um, <laughs> What do you, what, as you're looking back so far on, on, uh, your success, what do you owe a lot of your success to? Or what are some like little attributes like, man, if I didn't get that bit of wisdom or if I didn't do this, or if this person didn't help, or if my mom didn't put determination. All of the above. Um, help has been the number one, again, building relationships. Um, I think that you have like mentors. Yeah, I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the first one really started for me, although I don't see him much or talk to him much. I went to a pub talk, a local pub talk, and um, Michael Mack was speaking. And Michael's been kind of in the restaurant industry. I like to, th- I don't know exactly his role and what he's done, but to me, it's kind of like a Gordon Ramsay. He, he worked in um, California for a long time and somewhere else. I can't remember, but I met him through his wife. I was good. My mom was friends with her and I became good friends with her. And, um, Michael's, you know, quite a bit older than I am, but he was like this business mogul. And now he's actually, uh, one of the leaders of one of the high powered Vistage groups here in town. Mm -hmm. But I was watching him speak. And at the end of his speech, he said, just one little thing that resonates with me still every day when I feel, you know, as all business owners do, I think at one point you kind of get the crash, the burnout. And he said, never let your business be static. And I've never done that. And I'm actually regretting it now because we have so much coming in that I'm like, what did I do? Mm-hmm. Um, but never let your business be static. And I think that means in every aspect. Um, and you can apply it to every aspect of your life. Like, if I the sales agree. aren't I, coming I, I in, thoroughly agree don't that. sit there and complain that they're not coming in. Yeah, do something about it. Exactly. Strategize. Get on the phone yourself. Yes. Yeah. Yep. You Don't wait for somebody else to do what you can do yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, again, just build relationships. I am willing to divulge just as much as I like getting. So anybody that has had, you know, like talking to you about yeah, distribution and things like that, like, there's no such thing as competition because we're all doing something different. We have different goals. We have different ideas. Yeah. The, different. The hot sauce industry has been helping me out a ton. People that would be my like competitors, and yeah. we're just going and they're telling me all stuff. I appreciate so much. I was connected with the CEO of uh, Ardvark, and she's going to ah. talk with me and, and this other hot sauce company. And I was like, wow, thank you so much. That's so nice of you. Um, and not everybody feels that way. Some people like keep it button in the chest, but what's the point? I feel like there's more enough go around. It's fun to watch the industry grow mm-hmm. and, and doing good to other people just feels good. Yep. It's just what we're here to do. Why are you being greedy and trying to keep everything like for yourself? That's the mentality that's going on. So good on you for not doing that. It shows though, you know, people that are like that, it shows, it shows mm-hmm. through their company culture. It shows through their sales, Absolutely. It, their follow through, um, you know, I, I, I agree think, so much on the static thing, though, really quick for you. Go, like what you're mm-hmm. saying on that. And I can see that through the different things and changing the brand and all that stuff. Uh, Mitch, 
you've been here for not even a year and you've seen this company change. I mean, uh, there's a bot tsunami happening here right now. <laughs> I, I'm not like, like we are full, like we're, we're, everybody's out there developing bots right now because they're just converting. They are the best thing. They beat your website every time at making a sale happen. So I was just like, well, and we're all going to learn how to develop bots. We're going to be bot engineers. How about that? And we're, we're <laughs> diving in. And that happened, what's it been, like two months? About, yeah. yeah. It's, and, well, there's nothing and it hasn't worse slowed than... down at all. Like, and all, all of our clients are like, all excited. And other clients are signing. <laughs> like, oh, we want the bots. So like, yeah, it's a different product. Well, there's nothing worse than going to work every day and being like, oh, I have to do the same thing every day. Mm -hmm. I mean, granted, there's things that you just can't get away from, um, you know, paying bills, unfortunately, things like that. I'll put that on autopay. <laughs> Meh. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like not not being just stuck. Mm -hmm. There's always a plan B. There's always another revenue route or stream or somebody with advice mm -hmm. and um, just find it. Don't be scared. And it takes a lot to step out of your shell. And if you're an introvert, not be. If you're an extrovert, contain yourself, you know, like <laughs> I think you just go through these molding processes as you dive in. And it depends on the person too, mm -hmm. of how it goes. Yeah. And how you grow uh, mentally and like just personally, it will then grow onto your company too. And so if you're looking for what's best for other people, then your people are with you. They start mm -hmm. doing that too. And it's really cool to watch because I watched it go from uh, not looking out for the best for people and more about making money um, and watching the people that were here do that too. And then over the past two years, as I, I was like, no, screw that. And watching that shift happen here has been uh, incredibly fulfilling. Um, probably the most, like one of the most fulfilling things, if not the most that I've uh, been a part of. So I'm really thrilled on that. And uh, just to be able to create that again and a, on a, like a little side thing, Seems to be like a lot of fun and they're having fun with it too. Like we're having like we're taste testing hot sauce over here and <laughs> and, and we're and it turns out I know a pretty good marketing company that's going to push it. So, so you're we're so gonna, lucky. So oh my gosh. Have some fun with that. I mean, we're going to have a lot, like once we get the 6,000 um, bottles, there's going to be a ton living here with our nice cameras and everything where we're just going to have fun shooting stuff yeah. with it and coming up with fun stuff. And then people that are going to want to like swing by and pick it up like I was talking yeah. about. Like, because that's going to help. That's you one. have the best problem well, ever. I, like, well, <laughs> I have one problem that's really hard, and that's figuring out how to cold ship this stuff. And I still haven't completely done it yet. I'm supposed to have calls with a bunch of different Did people. Did you talk to Dave yet? Dave and I have been playing phone tag like crazy. You need to talk to Dave. I know. I talked yes. to Dave. And that's, Dave and again, I, thank Dave you for just connected me with something amazing. So Dave, and for those that don't know, is... Dave Alwyn. Dave Alwyn mm -hmm. was featured on Shark Tank. Mm-hmm. I want to say I know for two times for sure, maybe three. Wow. Um, at the time when he went back, it was the only time that they had invited somebody to come back on the show. And he took his son with him. Um, Dave owns a company called Echo Valley Meats. And um, he's just, I guess his biggest competitor would be considered Omaha State Company. Mm -hmm. And he was picked up or partnered with uh, Mark Cuban. So Dave's hat, he's a plethora of knowledge. And aside from that, on a personal level, he's an amazing guy. How he, did you get to know him? So I met Dave uh, at a QuickBooks conference mm -hmm. in San Jose. Uh, my mom had met him the year before. 
And she did an email introduction for both of us. And um, she was like, oh, yeah, this guy was on Shark Tank. You have to meet him. He's so cool. And did an email introduction. He said, yeah, I'm going to be there again in October. Mm-hmm. I would love to meet you. I'm speaking on a Shark Tank panel. So I actually signed up for that session, went and watched him present in front of a bunch of other Shark Tank um, uh, previous Shark Tankers. And yeah, we went out to dinner and he bought us dinner. And it turns out for a guy that owns a cattle ranch, he likes a steak. Well done. Really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. He's like, you see that much blood and stuff? He's like, I can't, I can't eat a raw steak. Like, no way. Yeah. So. <laughs> either can I. But I've been uh, vegan for a while. Huh? <laughs> Actually, my problem now, even if I wasn't, I would then become and I would stop eating it is after I got stabbed in the hand for mountain biking and they were cleaning it out in the hospital. And I was like looking at it because it went deep that stick and they were cleaning it out and i was able to see deep Uh, into my hand and i was just like that looks like a raw steak (laughs) and i was just i walked away from that being like we're just bags of meat (laughs) (laughs) it's a very uh humbling sobering experience it's just like to really understand like there's really nothing different between us and any animals or anything like that like that was a raw steak like oh this looks exactly (laughs) like it it was creepy so anyway (laughs) enough of that stuff um uh what was i gonna ask oh so um what did you think of uh of this because i love this you don't have to say you love it i would appreciate if you did (laughs) of course i love it i'm a hot sauce connoisseur yes you did um i love it Actually, everybody in the warehouse used it, and it's... Is it gone? Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't very big. Yeah. Surprisingly, well, I think most people here love tacos. I don't know mm-hmm. what's up with that. <laughs> tacos are great. They're the best. But, yeah, I end up putting, like, probably a fourth of this on a thing of tacos, but oh, yeah. I'm addicted to it. That's why it's called Habit. The flavor's amazing. It's Thank awesome. You. And me, I will tell you, like, I was always a Frank's Hot Sauce fan. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm more savory than sweet kind of person. So I think, like, the vinegary and the mm-hmm. spicy. But I love it. It's delicious. You're going to crush it. You're going to buy more? Absolutely. Well, I'll give you a bunch of free. You give all <laughs> we'll trade. Stuff. This yeah, is a trade, yeah, trade, trade deal. Candles. Yeah. I got Christmas covered. No, I, I have soap. So after the hot sauce is all over your hand, you can wash your hands. Oh, that will be good for my girlfriend. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so, um, okay, besides, I, I, that's all the time, though, that we have. I appreciate this a lot. I think a lot of um, people are going to benefit greatly or trying to get a startup going. I mean, just going into depth on, like, um, distribution, how to get that out there, how to do a brand, how to get things going, how, to, how you can do it yourself, Canva, um, going into the first store, doing it from home, and just people can realize, like, if you start to piece together your story – that you can do it. Mm-hmm. Like people keep on thinking, they're like, oh, no, no, I need this and this and that. And it's like, no, you just need determination. Well, and I think too hugely is patience. When I dove into this, I was the type, like, if I wanted something, I just did it. Mm-hmm. And that's how I got here, obviously. But that's me too. This takes time. It takes, well, you're seeing with your battles. You're impatient. You want it to come. You want to progress, but mm-hmm. you know that you, it baby steps. Baby steps are so key when you're, I think, launching. It doesn't matter what kind of business. It's been forcing me to take baby steps when we've been hitting these little roadblocks here and there, like uh, shelf life and learning how to extend that. Like, okay, we got, I mean, it was an eight-week shelf life. We now have it to 12, and I don't want to screw with the flavor or bring in any chemicals, so it's going to stay at that. I'm just going to have to deal with how am I going to 
have a rotation good enough that it's in and out of the store in that much time? How much do I need to sell them so they don't have too much? Yep. So I need to like limit sales unless they're really flying through it. Cause and I want food's the product a different to be beast, you know, there's, oh, there's testing that goes into it and you know, same thing with our cosmetics, but luckily I chose to have that manufactured outside of our warehouse and mm -hmm. then just brought in. Um, there's, there's a lot more to think about than just like, Oh, I'm going to pour hot sauce and sell it. You know, it, <laughs> it's true. Or I'm going to pour a candle and sell it. And yeah. you learn a lot from your first experience, but it sure is nice when you have somebody to walk you through it, you know, and be like, don't do what I did. Don't make the mistakes I did. Well, I'm sure if anybody reached out to you on like LinkedIn or anything, if they had questions or to me, I, I mean, yep. I don't know much. I know a little bit in the beginning of this, but you know a lot more. Um, or would you be open to that? Oh, yeah, messaging? absolutely. Yeah, I, I figured you would. So I'm I'd very passionate about that side of things. Mm -hmm. And um, again, no matter how much help I've gotten or what it's been from, it's so well received. So is that the best way you think to get a hold of you? Say, find you on LinkedIn? Well, I'm not going to give anybody my phone number. No, I'm not. I'm <laughs> yeah. So LinkedIn. Yeah, LinkedIn. I'm, I'm active like on LinkedIn, not Twitter so much. Mm -hmm. LinkedIn is probably the best for me. Okay. I don't really do much on Instagram and anymore. Afton, I'm going to butcher your last name. Kofelt. Kofelt. Yeah, okay. with a C. C-O-F. F-E-L-T. E-L-T. Okay, yep. great. Afton with two Fs. Afton with two Fs. Well, thank yeah. you, Afton. <laughs> it was a pleasure. Thanks. Yes. Thank you.